how do I know that God is actively providing for me? That's what I want to talk about. How do I know for sure that God is actively providing for me? And some of you may look at me and say, well, duh, you know, you got breath in your lungs and shoes on your feet and food and in your pantry and it's comfortable in here like God's provided us this space, like duh. But I'm saying like actively providing for me. I, I want to get more than just general uh, what we would all say is provision. How do I know that God walks with me like he did the Israelites in the wilderness? How do I know that he walks with me and talks with me? You know, you ask me how I know. How do you know? That's what I want to talk about tonight. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever uh, wanted to depend upon the Lord, but if you were honest, you would uh, admit that you uh, kind of struggle to see just how God is providing for you today? You ever thought about that? It's like, I want to depend fully on you, God, but I don't even know where to look. Because honestly, it doesn't seem like much has changed since I began to believe in you or trust in you or depend upon you or, or uh, be sold out to you, Jesus. And I think if we answer this question properly or at least adequately enough tonight, we can conquer this weird line that we all straddle, right? And it's the line that kind of uh, either hurts us or maybe we'll fall on the right side of the line and it helps us. But it's that leaning on your own understanding. It's that line of leaning on your own understanding as a believer that's hurtful to your faith. It's hurtful to you as a believer uh, and it's disobedient to the Lord uh, in its plainest form. But we all straddle that line sometimes because it's like, I know that God is provider. I know that he's protector. I know that he leads me, guides me, goes with me. At least that's what his word says, but I don't really know how to see that or the effect of that. And so because of that, as a result, I lean on my own understanding. I take matters into my own hands. I forgo praying and I get to work. And just like that, you disregard uh, the, the effect of that. He's going to preach. I'm telling you, he's going to be a preacher. That's Huxley back there. <laughs> but, oh, that baby's okay. I want to talk about this for a little bit tonight because I think this is very monumental to our faith and, and, and uh, how we go forward from tonight could totally be uh, different than we ever expected. So before we look at the answer to this title question, how do I know that God is actively providing for me, walking with me, going with me like he does with the people that are in this book, um, before we look at that, uh, or the answer to that question, let's look at what the provision of God actually even is, right? What is God's provision? What does God's um, hand look like in my life? One thing, if you're writing anything down, I got about six things that I'd love to share with you tonight if we have enough time. Uh, probably always gonna run out of time. Um, but number one, the provision of the Lord is congruent with his blessing. In other words, God's blessing is the constant flow and faithful provision of the Lord. And so you can say, uh, when you're speaking of God's provision, you can say his blessing. So many times in the Bible, and I don't have time to share all these accounts with you, I will give you a, a two verses here in a second in uh, Jeremiah 17. So if you want to 
turn in your Bible there, uh, you can, Jeremiah chapter 17. But uh, before we go there, I want, want to tell you so many times in the Bible, when it's talking about God's blessing, it's referring to his provision. And a lot of times, uh, vice versa is the, the, uh, the same there. When it's talking about his provision, it is congruent with the blessing of God. So with that being said, just one thing to acknowledge is this, that the provision of the Lord is congruent with his blessing or God's blessing is the constant and faithful provision of the Lord. Uh, second thing that I want you to take note of in this first point is that God's blessing or his provision is constant and faithful. It's constant and faithful, even if you don't see it. Look at verse seven in Jeremiah chapter 17. This is blessed. Somebody say blessed. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and does not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green. And it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Do you see the picture there? Blessed is the man who's tr who trusts the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. And he paints a picture here, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah does, as he's uh, exclaiming this. He says, because that man will be like a tree who is planted by the waters and whose roots always have an endless supply of nutrients and water to live on uh, and it isn't affected by the different seasons of its life. Isn't that just crazy to think about? It's monumental, right? And that is the blessing or the provision, the constant and faithful provision of the Lord to the believer. If you trust the Lord and if the Lord is your trust, like if you have placed your trust in him and you live in such a way that you have done so, that is, uh, that is similar to a tree being planted by the waters, always having an endless flow of what is needed to live, not being changed or being tossed to and fro like a wave at sea through every season, but being steadfast because God has provided that ability to you because you've been planted so closely to him. Let's go forward. Uh, second thing I want you to know is this. To walk in the blessing of the Lord, you must also walk in obedience to the Lord. To walk in the blessing of the Lord, you must also walk in obedience to the Lord. Let me tell you what I mean. Be the tree that's planted or plants itself by the stream. I'm talking about action steps for the believer that bring you towards God. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. Now it keeps coming up in conversation. I wonder if God's trying to say something to some of you. Read your Bible and pray. Believe in faith. Make God your trust in and of itself. When you uh, trust in the Lord, what does the Bible say? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There is something that happens when God is your trust. There's something that happens when you, uh, and I don't want to call it blind faith, but it is just simply believing in God. It's simply trusting in God. Blessed are they that have not seen, but yet believe, the Bible says. When you just believe in God, miracles happen. He's trustworthy, church. 
If you want to see God move and go with you and be with you and answer prayers like he has done so faithfully in the accounts of the Bible, if you want to see that real or reality, if you want to see that reality, if you want to see that flesh out in your life, just believe. Believe in God and trust. Make him your trust. Now you say, well, Austin, I do believe in God. Let me tell you something. It's one thing to Determine in your mind that you believe in God. Here's with the other parallels now. It's a whole nother animal to determine through your works that you believe in God. You can say all day long, I believe in you, Jesus. But if your actions don't display the belief that your heart is exclaiming, then is your belief even real? Faith without works is Dead. You say, I have faith and don't show works. I show you my faith by my works, the Bible says. If you truly believe in God, then your works will exclaim that belief. Action steps towards God. Someone once said this, if the why is powerful, the how is easy. Why do you believe in God? Because his word says he is the great I am. And through history, he's proven it. So if he's the great I am, then how will he provide for me? Very easy. If this is true and I believe it, then the how is easy. Third thing I want you to maybe take note of if you're writing anything down is this, that God is able to bless you beyond what you can contain. Now, don't get this mixed up. I'm not preaching all this prosperity nonsense that you may see uh, elsewhere. What I am saying, though, is this, that God is able to bless you beyond what you can contain. Blessing being his provision for you. God wants to bless you this way. He wants to give you a life of abundance. He wants to bless you and provide for you and go with you in the way that you want him to. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. The Bible says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. What is the power that works within us as believers? Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit. He is able through the Holy Spirit's power that works within us to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. And so if that is the case and it simply requires belief, what are we waiting for? Could it be the great enemy we call doubt? in that foothold that the enemy places in your life, if he can get you to doubt just a bit of God's promises, it can snowball into a great mountain of doubt. That's when you begin to straddle that line of leaning on your own understanding, which equates to disobedience to God, which equates to falling out of fellowship 
with God, which equates to distancing yourself from his promises. Not that his promises aren't still available to you, but that you begin to distance slowly but surely. This is the plan of the devil. This is the attack of the enemy. Slowly but surely, you distance yourself from the promises of God. Next thing you know, you're out here in la-la land, wondering where in the world, God, is your hand on my life? Your promises are evident in the word, but I've never seen them. He says, oh, but child, would you draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God is able to bless you beyond what you can contain, but not only is he able, he's, mm, he's willing. Fourth thing I want you to write down maybe is this, God will bless you as far as you will trust him. God will bless you and provide for you as far as you will trust him to. I've been reading a lot in the Old Testament, you guys. If you can't tell, I keep coming from the Old Testament. I've been reading a lot here lately. I'm trying to just go back through the Bible. And goodness gracious, I can't help but see time and time and time again where God, through the obedience of his people, has richly blessed his people. But through the disobedience of his people, he has richly retracted from his people. In order to show that he is almighty God and will go far above and beyond to help you, provide for you, take care of you, and be with you. But if you want to lean on your own understanding, go right ahead and you'll see where that will get you. We'll talk more about that here in just a moment. God will bless you as far as you will trust him to. I like to look at it this way. Cheap faith, cheap grace. God will turn you over to your own desires if you would like so. He's a gentleman, some preachers would like to say. He's not going to force his hand on you. If you believe in him and trust in him, he will show you why he's trustworthy. He will show you why he's faithful. He will show you all that the Bible talks about, all that faithfulness, all that provision, all that caringness, uh, caring, uh, all that caring acts of God, the hand of God moving in your life. He wants that for you. He wants to supply you with everything that you need. He wants to bless you in this way and provide for you, but he'll only bless you as far as you'll trust him to. In the areas in your life right now, we all may have some. Some of you may have some right now. Dark areas, dark spots, blank spaces in your life where you've kind of taken the trust off of God because you doubt that he can or will. And maybe you know that he can, but maybe you didn't know that he will. And you've taken the, the trust off of God in that area of your life and you've placed that trust on yourself. And the result of that will only be catastrophic. I'll tell you why. In just a moment, we're building up to something. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It's a very popular section of Scripture. And a lot of preachers use this verse for multiple different things. But we'll just use it in this context today just to take it at face value and see what it actually says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me to the test. This is the one time in the Bible where God says, test me. Put me to the test now in this, says the Lord of armies. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Some of your version says pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain, that you cannot physically hold. 
God says, test me and see if I won't bless you. I want you to know tonight, church, that God will bless you as far as you will trust him to. Test him and see if it ain't so. So how do I know? How do I see the hand of God moving in my life? How do I know that God is actively providing for me in this life? I want you to turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and this is kind of where I found the foundational thought for this sermon tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 4 through 7. If you're writing anything down, write this down. Longevity. Longevity. How do I know that God has his hand on my life? Longevity. Look at what he did for the Israelites in the wilderness. Chapter 8, starting in verse 4, the Bible says this. Your clothing did not wear out. They traveled for 40 years. He says, your clothing did not wear out on you. Nor did your foot swell these 40 years. They walked through the wilderness for 40 years. Your clothes didn't wear out on you. Nor did your feet swell in the wilderness for these 40 years. So you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Now I stop right there, stop right there, go back. I want you to see this. This is monumental. Because this is kind of offhanded, but it makes a lot of sense, and we need this tonight. You got to know the reason for God's workings, the reason why God does what he does, the reason why God will turn you over to your own understanding, if that's what you so choose, in order to show you how powerful he is, and in order to show you that he is the gracious and almighty Lord of your life, is this. Because the Lord your God is disciplining you. Go back to that verse here. What is it? Verse five. Yes. The Lord, your God, was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. You are a child of God. You are a child of the most high. And he will treat you as such. Sometimes the Lord will discipline you. And his discipline, the hand of God, looks sometimes like letting you go your way so that you can see that your way is not as good as God's way. Why? Because when we go our way, and this is something else that I said that we would visit, revisit here, when we go our way, longevity is out the window. We will run out of stamina every time. We can only do so much in our strength, but God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more when you were in the wilderness, your clothes didn't rot off your body. For 40 years, you hiked through the wilderness, treacherous wilderness. For 40 years, your feet didn't even swell. They would have never noticed it had he not said it, though. And I wonder what God has blessed you with over the last 40 years, maybe, or 20 years, or 10 years, 5 years, 2 years, 1 year, 1 week. I don't know. I wonder how God has blessed you tonight. That maybe if you had not read that, you wouldn't even notice. You've been walking for 20 years and God has not even allowed your feet to swell. God's hand has been on you. Go forward, let's go forward. Verse six, therefore, 
You shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God. It's important to obey the Lord because God will bless you in your obedience. Child of God, you need to understand when you lean not on your own understanding, but on the will and the command of God, you will see his blessing flow throughout your life in such abundance that you cannot contain it. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Somebody say a good land. A land of streams of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys, in the hills. Now, to do proper exegesis here, we would mention obviously that this is right before the Israelites enter into the Canaan land a land that is not theirs but has been given to them by the hand of the Lord. And through the obedience of the command of God, they will walk across dry ground through the Jordan River and take captive these giant, fortified, valiant army cities with just them in the presence of God. It's remarkable. Oh my goodness. If you ever get the opportunity... I urge you, read through Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Read through the events of the Exodus and the entrance into the promised land. God shows himself so mighty during this time in history. It's my favorite section of the Bible, aside from the part where Jesus comes and saves the world. Uh, <laughs> but the longevity of the Holy Spirit's power on our lives is so present and real today. As long as you're depending on God, as long as God is your trust, you'll go forever. You'll go forever. You won't wear out. What does the Bible say? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's what I'm talking about. It's longevity. It's the ability to keep going, even though I know I shouldn't be going at this moment. How in the world have I made it through this long of a fight? How in the world have I made it this far? I can't believe it. Everyone else seems like they, they would have fallen out dead by now, but somehow, some way, I'm here. It's because I've waited upon the Lord. I've been renewing my strength by waiting upon the Lord and making Him my trust. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Ooh, I had enough time to preach this tonight. I'm so excited. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. For bodily training is just slightly beneficial. I mean, it just, you go to Planet Fitness every morning, you might look good. It's slightly beneficial. It profits something. But the Bible says this, but godliness or the obedience to the will of God on your life is beneficial for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. Longevity. Longevity is found in your obedience to Christ. Longevity is found in your willingness to just believe in God through your situation. I don't know what circumstances or situations that are present in your life today, but I will say this. If you would just so happen to just believe in God for that, I promise you, where you in your flesh would fail and fade, your belief and trust in God as you walk through that same exact circumstance will last forever. You'll go on, you'll run and not grow weary, you will walk and not faint because you've trusted upon the hand of the Lord. His, you remember last week when we talked about his righteous right hand that holds you up? That thing. 
that thing will hold you up and take you farther than you could have ever gone on your own. Last thing, how do I know that God is actively providing for me today? How can I see it? Not only the longevity that I notice now because God has made it so evident to me in this day, but the refuge, the refuge that I have in him. I've been reading about these refugee cities that the Israelites were commanded by God to um, put up around these cities that they would take captive in the Canaan land. They were meant to, if anybody did something uh, more predominantly like accidentally murdered a friend and it was not out of hate, it was an accident. One of the <laughs> illustrations I read about today, just thinking through this was like, it, I don't know why I'm laughing. It seems like a cartoon scenario to me though. You go out to the woods, the Bible says, if you go out to the woods, this is the Lord. If you go out to the woods to chop a tree and the ax head slips off and hits your friend and kills him. That was the example that, that the Lord gave, right? And uh, I was just envisioning like a Tom and Jerry scenario in my head, so that's why I kind of chuckled. But so it was th that type of scenario, like if you accidentally sinned in that way, there were these cities that, that they were commanded to, to, to make called refuge cities or cities of refuge in order that the one who accidentally sinned could run to that city of refuge and not be stoned to death for disobeying a command of the Lord, right? Or purely out of revenge. And so when I thought about this, I thought about that. And I thought about Psalm chapter 30, ver, uh, 34, verse eight. The Bible says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's good enough. Like, I, I love that verse. We've kind of already talked about that idea today. Like, just test him. Taste and see that he's good. But it, it, this is what really gets me. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him? I just want to tell you today that I'm talking about a requiring reliance. Like a determination within the believer that you make yourself reliant on the Lord. I don't know if some of you are like my wife, Sandra, but she's a very independent woman. And growing up in the faith with her, we were both saved around the same time, baptized at the same time. We've been learning through the scriptures our whole spiritual life together, right? We've been growing together in faith through all this. And part of that is uh, biblical marriage theology doctrine right and growing in that and learning through that and actively trying to flesh that out in our life one thing that Sandra she wouldn't mind me sharing this with you she would testify to it if she was up here but she's doing children's ministry tonight praise the Lord for all the children's workers but um, one thing that she struggled with was submittance not only to me as her husband but to God and leaning not on her own understanding because she's a strong woman and she's independent and she can handle it. You wanna throw blows at my wife, she will take every single one of them and eat them like a sponge. She's strong, strong-willed, very opinionated. 
Now, to some degree, those are strong suits for her, especially regarding her faith today. But it hadn't always been that way in our marriage. It's been very difficult sometimes to kind of navigate that. And me, as a hard-headed husband, trying to navigate some of that. And I've had the privilege to see God absolutely just melt that stronghold within her, creating her a soft heart, heart of flesh, towards dropping pride and dropping, oh, I, I know she would love to share this testimony with you, but unfortunately you get my version. It, I got the privilege as a husband to watch God do such a wonderful work on my wife through the years as this self-reliant spirit in her kind of just melted away. And she's still very strong, but in all the good ways. She's very reliant now, not only upon the Lord, but upon what God has done in her and on her and what he can do through her. Instead of being reliant on her own strength, she has made God her refuge, a, a required reliance. She's had to make herself rely on the Lord because that strong self-reliant spirit in her fights so hard to be in control. But through her obedience to God and her belief, her sheer belief. Jenny, you come on up here. Go ahead and come on up. I want to give you just two minutes of a response time if you need to come before the Lord. She's going to come up here. Just play that song, Trust in God, one more, one more again, and, um, and that'll be good enough for us. I want to give you an opportunity to pray, maybe come before the Lord, maybe right there in your spot you need to pray. It's okay, whatever you need to do. But what I want to say to you is this. It's a required reliance, and I don't know if you're in this place and you've been just so eat up with, I gotta make it happen. I gotta do this. I gotta live up to that. I gotta be strong here. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. God commands his children to be courageous and fear not. Not because you're the hero in the story, but because he's got your back. He's strong. He's capable. He's able goodness he is willing 